Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, May the 11th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we finish up with the rookies for a brief discussion on Jason Sanders, Quentin Poling, and the UDFAs. I'm keeping an eye on this camp. We'll play an extended game of over-under, and the Devontae Parker hype train rolls on once again. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockdownFins. Check out LockdownDolphins.com. The new platform is fully launched, and we are up and live right now, so give that a look over. And of course, they'll Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, we've got a busy show. Let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I talked about the Devontae Parker train rolling along here. We're going to go ahead and start off with just a bunch of news for you guys, or I suppose what is actually considered news in the world of the NFL as we are smack dab in the middle of the dead period. But there was a piece by Joe Shad on Devontae Parker up right now on the Palm Beach Post talking about how Devontae Parker has this renewed energy or this new approach to the offseason with an actual purpose to his offseason regimen. And my thought is, if you're going into year four and you're just now figuring that out, yeah, that could be the case for some guys, but probably not generally a good sign. And we've heard this before about how he's got this new diet plan or new different workout regimen he's doing and all these things that's going to make him become a better player. Well, if you hear that annually, it starts to lose its luster a little bit. You know, you lose a little bit of that bravado that is supposed to come with that type of statement. And the source they cited on this piece was that he's reading a book about Jerry Rice, the greatest of all time, whatever, and how he's done a great job this offseason really being one of the guys that tries to do things on his own, doesn't have to have someone to hold his hand anymore. So he's been doing his own thing and approaching it with his own type of regimen that is different than what's been in the past. I don't understand it really. It just sounds like a basic middle of May filler type of piece that Joe Shad wrote. As great as Joe Shad is, I just don't really buy all the hype around Devontae Parker. But it's back up again. We're going to get all those kinds of tropes going into training camp, talking about guys being in the best shape of their life, looking better than they ever have, coming back back off of injuries, whatever it is, you can go ahead and put it down in pencil right now because you're going to hear it in the next couple of months. And speaking of guys coming back off of injuries, there was some rookie camps going on down in Davie and getting back to work. And Gaze took to the podium for quite a few questions, but the one that everyone wants to hear about and talk about and the one that he did talk a lot about was the quarterback situation. And the first thing he did was double down on the lack of investment in the position beyond Ryan Tannehill, saying that he's happy with it. He's obviously got this level of comfort that we all know about with Brock Osweiler from their time in Denver. And then you have David Fales, who they think is on the way up. The trajectory is pointing up in his career. And he is a bit of a gamer. And I actually got a text from friend of the podcast, Kevin Dern. You guys all know him. He's co-hosted the podcast several times before. But he embarked on a film study slash whiskey drinking journey last weekend. Bless your heart on that one, Kev. And he got into the David Fales film from week 17. And the term that he used that stuck out with me was the fact that he is a gamer. He said that it's kind of working around some certain things, some trash in the pocket when things get dirty and, and convoluted back there. He's able to pull 
pull himself and the team out of those types of holes. And while he may not practice well, that he can actually make it work in games on a certain level. It doesn't have a big arm, none of the big physical traits you like. But we heard that same thing with Matt Moore in the past, who also doesn't have the big physical traits, that he is a gamer more than a guy that's going to practice well. So perhaps David Fells could be the next Matt Moore, which I suppose it could be worse. A guy that can come in in a pinch and preserve a win for you in the way that Matt Moore did against the Arizona Cardinals when Tannehill got hurt in 2016. But all things told, this isn't really an endorsement of the backups by Gaze, in my opinion. It's more of an endorsement of the guy that he's been telling us about ever since he took the job, all along, even more emphatically, since the 2017 season ended. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip for you guys. And this is from Thursday when Adam Gaze took to the podium to talk to the press in his availability, talking about Ryan Tannehill and the quarterbacks. I mean, I haven't seen a change. I've seen a, seen a guy that's very confident. I know he's excited to get back out there. I know us as coaches, we're excited to have him out there. It's just really smooth with the operation that we've been able to do as far as what, what we're doing in practice or those throwing sessions. You know, it's just it just feels smooth. That word he keeps using, smooth, talking about the way the offense looks in practice. We've talked a lot about how the offense is going to take on a new identity this year with more matchup pieces, more substitutions, more personnel groupings, everything that's going to be different that I fully believe in and have invested the entire offseason into. And talking about the way it looks smooth, things look the way they're supposed to go in practice with guys hitting their landmarks, the ball coming out on time, going to the right read, all that stuff that goes into that. And it reminds me of just Jay Cutler coming off the couch last August, hadn't lifted a weight, hadn't looked at a playbook, hadn't even touched a football, and comes in there and you get the big arm and the big throws downfield that gets everybody all excited and all that fun stuff that give the fans excitement. But the coaches can see when the offense is looking like it's supposed to. And I, I just get the sense that last year you didn't really have that for even if at all throughout the course of the season, if Jay Cutler really ever got himself into a position where things were kind of rolling smoothly downhill throughout the course of the week through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practices, even up to the walkthrough and then on the games on Sundays. But then you have Ryan Tannehill come back who was there for everything, was studying the playbook, was helping out in the film room, helping guys with their mechanics. Everything that he was doing as a spectator last year could go into this and, and hopefully the physical aspect catches up to the mental aspects. I think he's going to have a big jump in that regard going forward. So that is cause for excitement for me as a Dolphins fan. I think that we have a lot to look forward to this year and at least, at least having something exciting to look forward to opposed to having a quarterback like the Jets last year, for instance, or the build of Tyrod Taylor, whatever you want to call it. There is a lot of upside with Ryan Tannehill should he return to form. So that's it for the quarterback right here. We're going to get to more Ryan Tannehill stuff here in a little bit at the end of the show. But next, we're going to wrap up the rookie series here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Locked on Dolphins podcast, Travis Wingfield with you guys here talking about the rookie class. We have gone in-depth on Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Gusecki, Jerome Baker, Kalen Balaj, Durham Smythe, and even as far as Cornell Armstrong, but we haven't gotten at the seventh round picks, Jason Sanders and Quentin Poling. But I also want to talk about my favorite UDFAs, the undrafted free agents. We'll do that here in a second. But first, let's start with Quentin Poling, the linebacker out of Ohio. Just watching the limited tape that there is available of him, we went over the idea that there really isn't a whole lot available on a guy like Cornell Armstrong. There's a little bit on Poling, not a lot. But from watching him play, you see he's a guy that can really contribute probably early on in special teams. He's a team captain at Ohio, a fantastic athlete athlete fits the mold of what they've been going for in terms of getting faster and more intelligent on the football field. He had a great tweet the other day I saw someone retweeted I think it was Sunday talking about how he just got to Florida and, and learning how 
the rules of the road go down there and that there are no rules. I forget exactly what he said, but just basically speed, speed limits and stop signs and traffic lights, all that stuff is optional when you get to Florida. So he's got a kind spirit and a, I guess a, a lighthearted attitude as well. So that's good to see. But as far as the film goes, he probably misses more tackles than you like to see out of a linebacker. He's not refined in coverage, but he does have the skills set to learn, talking about the fact that he is an athlete. Again, I think he probably battles with Stephon Anthony for a roster spot in the for a roster spot this year immediately going forward and hopefully learning how to be a linebacker moving forward in 2019 and beyond. And then Jason Sanders, the other seventh round draft pick, the field goal percentage was low. He was at 71%, missing a lot of field goals down there at New Mexico. But I saw on Twitter that someone mentioned this, and I, I forget your name, I didn't see it so far. I, forgive me for not recalling that name. But Cody Parkey had a similar kicking percentage in college before he got to the NFL, kind of fell off with the Browns, and then revived himself with the Miami Dolphins. And all of a sudden now he's got a $10 million contract in Chicago. Chicago. So kicking really isn't about the numbers in college. It's such a different game as far as the hash marks being wider, the football being different, just the atmosphere around it. There's so many things that are different in college with a kicking game and so much less reliable. Take it from me, a gambler who watches plenty of college football with money on the games and how field goals can be in a complete adventure at times. But Kicking really at this level is about confidence and simply just stacking makes on top of makes. The more makes you have, the more confidence you have. You could be like the chick, the kicker for the Chargers last year, the Asian guy that missed a couple of kicks and it was all down downhill from there for him. He had, obviously had talent and could do it, but just once you start missing him, it's really hard to get that confidence back. But for Jason Sanders, has a huge leg. He's an automatic touchback on the kickoff team and he kicked in some poor conditions as well in his conference down there at New Mexico. So there's upside, there's things to be concerned about, but we're going to have to find out about this guy on the actual field. He will have a battle with Greg, jo- Greg Joseph, the FAU kicker that was undrafted as well. And speaking of undrafted guys, I wrote down three guys that I have as favorites right here. We'll go ahead and go over them. The first one's the linebacker from Michigan, Mike McCray. I watched the Michigan All or Nothing series, which Jim Harbaugh, as great of a coach as he is, is such a douche. It's hard to get over that. But nonetheless, Mike McCray, you just kind of notice how he has his stuff together. And, and I use that lightly, that term there, having his stuff together. He... He just didn't really get mixed up in all the other stuff the kids were doing in terms of doing the college experience thing. And maybe it's because he was a senior. He had seen it all before, but you could tell he was there to play football and prepare for that. So that's cool to see. I think you could possibly see him being a Ray Malaluga type of guy on this defense in terms of a guy that defends the run from the B gap to the B gap. Probably competes with Chase Allen for a roster spot. And he's got an uphill battle there because Chase Allen had some good looking reps last year. Number two is Jameis Pittman, the defensive tackle. And I usually defer to, to Chris Kaufman on this, but he had a good stat about him. Talk talking about his interior rush disruption and how he was one of the top guys in the nation in regards to that type of data. But again, he's an athletic guy. He can operate in this wide nine defense and he will have a chance to make this roster as a defensive tackle. And then the third guy is the cornerback Jalen Davis out of Utah State. I think if he sticks as a slot, he could be Bobby McCain's backup, something we really don't have at this point. All the guys the Dolphins seem to have are edge guys and perimeter guys. And Jalen Davis's college tape shows the ability to get in and out of phase. He has fluid hips, good change of direction, all the stuff you want to see in a corner and the way they move, and especially carrying the size that he does. He's, he's big, built pretty thickly as well. So his tape actually looks really, really good to my, to my untrained eye, or I guess my somewhat trained eye. But just looking at his tape, it's hard to see why he didn't get drafted. You can 
can see him kind of using the boundary as a way to wall guys off and just a smart looking player who also has the athleticism that we mentioned as well at the top of the segment. So I'm excited about these three guys, this rookie class, you know, obviously Minka, Jerome and, and Mike Kosecki and Kalen Balazs, Durham Smythe, all these guys have a chance to make an impact early. And you can just see where the Dolphins were going in regards to finding guys to fill out specific roles, athletes, team captains, all the stuff that they did. They stuck true to the theme and they made it happen even as far down as the UDFA. So a good looking class. We'll find out a lot more about these guys come August because probably not going to talk about them a lot from now until August. We have plenty of time to get into everything on this football team over the next few months. But as for this show, we just have one segment left and I want to get into some over-unders. We'll do that next on Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. This podcast is a little bit shorter than normal. We don't have a ton going on right now, just the rookie camps, and I'm kind of creating segments as I go. My apologies to those guys that didn't like the other sports segments the other day, but like I said, content is a little bit scarce right now. We're going to continue to do shows and have daily content for you guys, and I can find things to talk about, especially when it comes to getting back into the film, which I'm going to be doing quite heavily coming up. But I wanted to just play a fun little game talking about over-unders, setting a mark for certain receivers and quarterbacks and running backs and all the stuff for the fantasy realm in terms of stats and just talk about what I think some of these guys could do this season. And it really was inspired by Devontae Parker just talking about his rededication to the game and what he was going to be in 2018 opposed to what he wasn't in 2017 all the years before where he has missed a game each and every single year of his career so far. So if he gets rededicated, what could he possibly be? And then it turned into a whole game of over-under using yardage, touchdowns, sacks, interceptions, all that stuff that we'd love to hear about in terms of statistics. So let's start with the wide receivers and start with Devontae Parker. And I put his number at 800. And I I thought about doing touchdowns. He only had one last year because I think he could be one of the red zone guys in terms of his size and his build in this offense. But I just used 800 yards and went with yards for all the receivers. And I'm going to go ahead and say under. I just don't trust him to stay healthy. I think the other guys in this roster are better players. You guys know how I feel about Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson and obviously Kenny Stills. So I think the balls are going to be spread out more evenly, more evenly distributed. And Devontae Parker is not going to get as big of a bite of the pie as he did last year. And I don't expect him to stay healthy either. So I'm going to under 800 yards for Devontae Parker and then Kenny Stills 1,000 yards I gave him the also uh, the ultimate benchmark for a wide receiver the 1,000 yard mark I'm gonna say over on that I think he's gonna make a lot of big plays down the field this year made a lot of big plays in 2016 with Ryan Tannehill kind of went away a little bit with Jay Cutler in 2017 had some with Matt Moore but he only played a few games so it didn't get a much of a chance for Kenny Stills to make the big play in 2017 but I just think he is the best receiver on this team focused in the right ways he's supposed to be as NFL player and I just think he's going to have a big year in 2018 a bounce back year for Kenny Stills after a little bit of a down 2017 with poor quarterbacking Albert Wilson I gave him 800 yards as well actually gave him and Jakeem Grant both 800 yards and I don't know which one it's going to be, but I'm going to I'm gonna pick over for one of them and under for the other one. So I think you're going to have one guy being the second leading receiver on the team behind Kenny Stills, and the other will be the third leading receiver on the team, probably both in the same range, like 850 to 750 in that type of range for yardage, because I think that they both do a lot of things that this offense is going to be 
centered around and emphasized in terms of the screen game and short passing and taking advantage of mismatches down the field and and winning routes from the slot and running whip routes and jerk routes and all the things that those guys can do to create separation with speed and quickness. I just think they have an ultimate role in this offense. So one of them will go over, one of them will go under, but not by much on either side. And that brings us to Danny Amendola. And I bumped his down a little bit because he's more of a possession guy and doesn't really have a lot of run after the catch and will catch a lot of balls close to the line of scrimmage. And also the injury factor plays in as well. Danny Amendola at seven. 100 yards. I'm going to take the under on that. And that's really more about the injuries than anything. I I think this team believes in what Danny Amendola can be, and they have a role in mind for him. Whether or not I agree with that is another case and for another podcast, but I think they're going to try to get him the football. And if he stays healthy, he could bust that. But I'm going to go ahead and take the under on 700 yards there. At tight end, I only did Mike Gusecki. I don't think Durham Smythe is worth getting into because I don't think he's going to be a lot that much of a factor in the passing game. But Mike Gusecki, I put five touchdowns, and that might be a softball for me because I have high expectations. But that seems like about right in terms of a Vegas projection. I'm going to take the over pretty strongly on that. I think he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns and put himself in the rookie of the year running at tight end. Now at running back, I only did Kenyon Drake here as well because I'm not really sure what the lion's share is going to look like in terms of number two for Kalen Balage and Frank Gore. I think Balage could be much more of a receiver in his rookie year, and Frank Gore could kind of give way as the season goes along. So projecting a 16 game number for him is pretty tough to do. But Kenyon Drake, the easy one, 1,000 yards, taking the over. I think he breaks too many tackles, has too much game breaking speed, will have too many long runs to not hit 1,000 yards. And the health is also a concern for him too, because he hasn't stayed healthy throughout his college career. And once he got to the NFL, he's been healthy, but he hasn't really had a huge workload in his two years so far. Let's go over to the defensive side of the football. I'm going to talk about three defensive ends and their sack totals. Cam Wake, 10 sacks. I am going to push. I'm going to say he's right at 10 sacks. That's right about where he's been every year for what seems like forever now, except for a couple of years where he jumped up and a couple of years where he got injured and didn't get that number. But he's always been right around 10 sacks. He's such a dominant pass rusher. I think it'd be crazy to expect him to fall off a cliff at any point in his career, especially right now. So Cam Wake, 10 sacks. And then the, the second year player, Charles Harris, the one that I'm super excited about. I actually retweeted an article I wrote about him and his film study earlier today on Twitter. And in that piece, I talked about him being a Pro Bowl candidate this year. And I'm going to take the over on 10 sacks for Charles Harris. I think he is going to light it up this year. I think he was getting close last year, had some really good looking reps. And I think year number two is where the light's going to go on for Charles Harris. And then Robert Quinn, eight sacks. I'm going to take the under on eight for Robert Quinn. I think that Charles Harris's emergence will force that down a little bit. So it's a good thing there that Robert Quinn does not hit eight sacks. And then the last one, the one that everybody comes for, the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. I gave him several stats to go over here. I'm going to start with starts at 14, taking the over. He's going to start all 16 games. He was an Ironman before a low shot, cost him 19 games. Don't expect that to happen again. If it does, it's bad luck and oh well, but he does not let things knock him out of football games. Touchdowns, 25, taking the over. Like I said, going to have a very big year for him, going to pass the football a lot. Volume numbers are going to be up from what they were in the past. Yardage, 4,000 yards, same story, take the over. Completion percentage, 65%. Once again, taking the over. Going to be a lot of short passing in this offense, getting the football out of his hands in 2.5 seconds or less. And then interceptions at 10. This one could be over because of the volume, like I mentioned, but I'm going to go ahead and say... 
I'm going to go over. I'm going to give him 11 picks on the year with over 30 touchdown passes to balance it out to give him a 3 to 1 ratio. So everyone would be happy with that. Have a Pro Bowl season with 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, and right around 10 or 11 picks in 16 starts. And of course, in a playoff year for the Miami Dolphins. So that's the over under game. You guys get at me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and let me know what you think about those picks. And the Ryan Tannehill charting piece is underway, and I am absolutely thrilled with the way part one has turned out so far. It's up and ready to go. Kind of publish that. Sunday night. I got some help from some, from some awesome people. First formatting the table was done by GTH829C on Twitter. I don't know your name, dude, but you've been a big help in doing that and getting the formatting set up for that. And of course, Lee Top Landing is our graphics guy. He put together the, the wide receiver route trees that I did a while back. He did the same thing with the quarterback here for Ryan Tannehill for 2016. So keep an eye out for that. It'll drop Sunday night and I cannot wait to dive even further into it as we've got so much exciting stuff coming down the pipeline for the website for LockedOnDolphins.com. We are fully transferred over to the new platform now, which essentially means we have a better search optimization effort going on there to get more avenues involved in Locked On Dolphins. And we are available on more platforms. So LOD is about to become a household name on the football spectrum. Keep an eye out for that this summer and into the fall as the season starts. And I want to thank you guys all so, so much that have made that possible for me because I started off doing this kind of for fun. I've been doing it for a long time for fan sites. I did the thing with Perfectville for fun with Chris and Sam and then got this opportunity to actually get a real gig and it has just taken off in the last six months. So I'm (laughs) from the bottom of my heart, I could not be more thankful. I have the best audience and the best fans and you guys interact with me on Twitter. You get the mailbag going. It's an absolute blast talking to you guys and talking football and and most of you guys that are so just respectable and nice on the on Twitter it makes it so much more fun so it, it thank you so so much for all your guys' support and all you've done for the podcast as well as the website. So thank you guys again so much for that. And that's going to do it for the podcast to wrap up the week here on Locked On Dolphins Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Lincoln NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Facebook and Twitter. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.